Good morning and praise the Lord. Welcome to our Hebrews Bible study that we carry out every Monday and Thursday morning here live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page. And also after we're done, we upload it to the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. And I encourage you to go there and catch up on so many things, so many sermons, teaching sessions, so many things that God has given us to give to you. It's all He is. We just share it as He gives it to us, and we're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Uh, and again, this, this today will be part three in chapter one of Hebrews. And I would really encourage you to get in with us at the get-go instead of, you know, just seeing us, uh, you know, just, you know, don't, don't just see us and then uh, months from now, uh, jump in, uh, but you need to get in right now while the getting's good from the beginning because, you know, you can't just jump in the middle of something and it'll be confusing to you. So get in at the ground level, so to speak, in the beginning of this Hebrews teaching and stay with us. Follow us uh, through this uh, series of teachings on this great letter. And we called, God calls this, Hebrews, and uh, this uh, starts out with God, who at sundry time doesn't say Paul the apostle or Peter the servant of Christ. It says God, who at sundry times, and and really the the squabbles and the quarrels over who wrote it. Everybody's got their own opinion, but it's still the word of God, and that's the most important thing we always need to remember. And this particular letter is really, if you read it, study it, and, and look at it over and over again, you will see that. This letter is about the supremacy, the exaltation of Christ above angels, above everything that was in the old, everything. He is above all things, before all things, and by him, through him, and back to him will all things be. And uh, we, we need to, listen, if we open the Bible, we need to see Jesus. Amen. He, and, 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 and let's let's read this first verse again. And and I don't like to just put things on the shelf. I like to reach back and make sure it's all loaded on the wagon before we take off again today. So let's do that since we're so close to the beginning. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners means uh, different times in various ways, He spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But always remember this: He spoke about his son. All the first thing God spoke to Adam and Eve about after they'd sinned was the promise of the Redeemer he would send. And all throughout the ages, God spoke to the fathers of Israel by the prophets about him. Hallelujah. Watch this now, verse 2. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. <laughs> Not just about his son, but now in the last days by his son. And as we brought out earlier, the last days, this is what, this is one of the key uh, things you can look at to realize when the last days began. When God sent his son, when Jesus came on the scene, when Jesus came to die for the sins of humanity, that began the last days. Jesus began to speak to us God began to speak to us by his son when the last days began. It says it right here. Has in these last days 
spoken to us by his son who's he, who he's appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. God used Christ, his son, Jesus Christ, to frame the worlds, to create the worlds, to redeem the world, to judge the world. Everything God does is by Jesus Christ to and among, for, in, through, whatever God's dealings is with men, it's through Jesus Christ by His Spirit. So don't ever forget that. In verse 3, as I said last session, uh, this, 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 this verse 3, it's got so much in it. You can stay here for weeks and weeks and weeks, literally. But he says here, who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus being the brightness of God's glory. You need to quit begging for the glory of God and, and, and begin to understand God has given you the one who is the brightness of his glory. The one who dwells in you by his spirit is the hope of God's glory. The hope of the brightness of that glory. Mm. The hope of the brightness of that glory dwells in you. Oh, somebody said amen, hallelujah. This will wake you up. This will set you on a, uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a right path. This will encourage you, hallelujah. The one who is the brightness of God's glory is the hope of your glory dwelling inside you by his spirit. Now, the brightness of God's glory, as we talked about last week, and you you need to go back and read Exodus 32, 33, 34, and especially uh, that area where Moses says, show me your glory. And God, he puts Moses on a rock, and then he puts him in the cleft of the rock. God can't put you in the cleft until you're willing to stand on the rock, until you're willing to stand on, to trust in that rock of ages, that one who gave his life for you at Calvary. God can't put you in the cleft of the rock. But if you'll stand on that truth of Jesus Christ and him crucified, if that's what you're trusted in, God has put you in the cleft of that rock of ages. He's put you in the that rock that was pierced for you at Calvary. Hallelujah. And every day he'll show you a little bit more of that glory like he declared. He walked by Moses and he proclaimed his name. And everything he proclaimed his name to be to men was actually what Christ his son would provide through his death, the shedding of his blood at Calvary. So today when we see who is the brightness of God's glory, that, listen, we got folks standing around in the church all over the world saying, show me your glory. And all God has already offered you to show you daily to see his, Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Are we tired of Jesus? Are we sick of hearing the name of Jesus? Are we ready to move on into what we call as the apostate church, deeper things without Jesus? I hear preachers all the time preach an hour and never say the word Jesus. That is unacceptable to God. It's unacceptable. I don't care how well that man's words of wisdom sound. They're only, that's only the wisdom of men. It's unacceptable to open this Bible and not talk about Jesus. 
It's unacceptable not to point to Jesus and what he provided at Calvary. It's unacceptable to avoid the testimony of heaven, the testimony of God. Hallelujah. It's unacceptable to God. And I know for my way, you listen, who are you to tell me? I've got a Bible. Hallelujah. I've got a Bible. I know what's acceptable to God and I know what's not acceptable to God. I know what the Bible tells me is going to be happening in the last days and it's not the world. It's the church those things are talking about. So we better wake up. We better wake up. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. If you want to see the glory, then all you've got to do is see Jesus. Look unto Jesus. I'm going to share a little golden nugget with you this morning. There are two places. Both of them are in Hebrews. The first one is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Write it down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Both of those uh, speak of looking unto Jesus, or it says, but we see Jesus. Both of those in the same verse speaks of what he did at Calvary, speaks of what he did on the cross. And he's not talking about you closing our eyes and imagining a bloody corpse hanging on the cross. He is actually talking about if you want to see Jesus, if you want to look unto Jesus, then you're going to have to look unto what he did for you at Calvary. Actually, what did he do for you? Yes, he died for you. Your faith has to be in his death. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, the death of the cross, so that you could be justified, sanctified, redeemed, righteous, and have the wisdom of God every day of your life to experience Him and express Him. So we, we don't need to be caught up in these places where we're begging God to show us His glory. He's already given us the one who is the bright. It's not going to get any brighter, my friend. It's not going to get any, God's not going to give you anything brighter except a brighter illumination of his word in the, in, the, in, the, in the context of his son Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. The more you learn God's word in the context of that righteous work, the brighter that he is going to become to you. Doesn't the Bible tell us that in Proverbs 4.18? That the path of the just, Jesus is our path, hallelujah. He is my way of being justified. He's my way of bearing fruit of righteousness, fruit of the just. He is my path of righteousness. Hallelujah. He is my way of righteousness, and that way is the cross. Hallelujah. And the Bible declares in Proverbs 4.18 that the path of the just will shine more until that perfect day. Hallelujah. Oh, what a tremendous Blessing that is to know that, that this path God has set you on, if you'll keep looking unto Jesus, that light that he is to you will shine more. Hallelujah. You're not going to stand around and be begging for bread because God's already given you the bread of life. Hallelujah. Don't trade it in for the bread of deceit just because mom and daddy didn't get it right, just because your co-workers, your best friends, and those you may be caged up with in some local church that don't know any better. Listen, you got to get out of there. You've got to get out of there. You've got to quit begging God for his glory and begin to get in the word and begin to see he's already given you that glory in the person and through the Jesus Christ's work at Calvary. He's given you that hope of glory. He's, he, he, he will allow you to see it 
becoming brighter and brighter if you will come back to the path of the just. You know the story in Galatians chapter 2. Peter, he, he, he's justified, he's righteous, but he begins to bear fruit that doesn't reveal that he is. And I'm not talking about the devil saying, well, nobody's perfect, Brother Curtis. We all know we're not perfect, but when we get off track, the Lord expects us to get back on track, not just say, I'm sorry, Lord, and get in some ritual, some habitual uh, rut of just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Lord wants you to learn this way of righteousness. He wants you to learn this way. He wants you to continue to walk with him so that your fellowship can be with him and that that blood can continually cleanse you of all unrighteousness, not just I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're going to tell the Lord we're sorry for the rest of our lives here. But when we're doing it and there's never a forsaking of sin, then, then there's issues there. There's, there's major issues there. There's a lack of knowledge there of what Jesus did at Calvary. So watch this now. Jesus being the brightness of God's glory. You want the glory? Look to Jesus. Again, Hebrews 2, 9, Hebrews 12, 2, tell us what we'll be seeing if we're looking unto Jesus. Now, Paul said there will be other Jesuses preached, other gospels that are not gospels, by other spirits that surely are other spirits. And that's huge in this last day's apostate church today. It's huge. It's huge. Again, let me say it. You can hear ministers preach an entire message and never say Jesus. Never point to the redemptive plan of God. You, you can you, uh, Not just occasionally. It's all the time. It's everywhere. You need to wake up and come out from among them and quit touching that unclean thing they're touching because whatever it is they're trying to reach for and touch that's not Jesus and what he did at Calvary, it's unclean to God. It's unclean. The works of men are unclean to God. It's only the work of Christ at Calvary that allows us to be righteous and to bear the fruits of his righteousness. Everything outside of that faith and that process is unclean to God and will burn up. It's no wonder the Bible says that even the righteous scarcely make it to heaven. Hallelujah. Who being Jesus, being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Now, I've got some things to share with you this morning concerning the, the, the phrase express image. The, the reference here is mainly to the word image. And I want to say this. Image, and I always tell whoever listens to what the Lord gives us, you make sure you go check these things out for yourself. Don't just listen to me. I could just be another nut trying to drag you off down a path. And if you're just following me, when I miss it, you're going to miss it. If I leave, you're leaving. You need to check these things out for yourself. So the, uh, the main reason is, is so you won't be led astray. The second great reason is so you can be encouraged through your own study. And God will give you even more than you will hear from someone else if you'll just dig in and check these things out for yourself. God will bless that 
And that's what I want as a pastor. I want you to be blessed. I want you to see the light of Christ becoming brighter in your life. I want you to begin to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I came out of ministry that was all about money and didn't even have the discernment uh, to know that, that we were all about money. We weren't about the gospel. We weren't about the testimony of heaven. We were following people who, who'd written books and talked about faith who didn't really even know what faith really is and they can if they're not cross-centered. They cannot and they do not and, and millions follow them today and maybe you are following those false teachers. If they don't open this book and point you to Christ and what he did at Calvary, that's God telling you, my friend, to get up and get out because whatever, again, whatever they're touching is unclean to God if they're not pointing you to the sacrifice. You need to understand that. From the time Adam sinned in the garden, God put an end on this age. That wasn't there as long as Adam obeyed God and refused to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As long as Adam chose to obey God, there was no end to that. It was forever. Just eat off the tree of life and keep the garden and multiply it. But the moment Adam sinned, God put an end to this age mark out there. And I don't know what's coming after this age. We know a little bit about a new heaven and a new earth and that everything of old, all the former things are going to be forgotten. Isaiah said that in Isaiah 65 verse 17. Write that down and look that up. That'll make you shout for joy. But this age we're living in, it's all about the redemption plan of God. So that we can enter into the things after in the, on the eighth day, in the, in the new creation, the new earth, the new heavens, the Lord's going to create. But God put an end to this age. And in this age, until the end of this age, the focus is the cross. And it may be throughout eons of eons of eons of, of, of the future. I believe that everything will always be because of the cross and the vision of what Jesus did at Calvary. I believe it will always be in our hearts and in, in view. And it will always be the thrust of why we are where we are, doing what we are with who we're doing it in the ages to come. Yes, absolutely. But this age we're living in right now that's about to close, I'm talking... man. It's all about us believing Christ and what he did for us at Calvary and holding on to that, trusting in that. Because right now, sin is still our issue. Sin still tries to invade our hearts. If, if you don't believe that, then you're not being honest with yourself. In the ages to come, sin is not going to be, we're not going to be tempted to sin. We're, there's not going to be sin. So right now, we're tempted to sin every day. We're tempted to sin every day. And the answer for that temptation, the answer for overcoming sin that will always be the issue until we're with Jesus is the cross of Jesus Christ. 
So you got to let these scoundrels go who've crept in among us. And they may be able to quote scripture 100 miles an hour, my friend. Don't let that deceive you. The devil can do that. His ministers transform themselves as, as ministers of righteousness. They are not. If they're not pointing to Christ and what he did at Calvary, their words as to why they are not are only words of men's wisdom. And men's wisdom is fueled by Satan. Men's wisdom is fueled by Satan, and Satan uses the scriptures too. He'll use anything in the scriptures to keep you from looking unto Christ. But when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit starts revealing the message of the cross to you from Genesis to Revelation, he's not going to be happy about that. And that's where the separation really begins. Because Paul said it in Galatians 6.14, My boast is only in the cross. God forbid that I boast in anything other than the cross because that's where I was separated from the world, crucified from the world, and the world crucified unto me. The only separation from the world is in the word crucifixion. You can't separate yourself. God has to separate you. And the separation of the Bible is the crucifixion of the Bible. And daily, I need to be separated from the world. All this life, I need to be separated from the sinful activities and ways of this world, and the list is forever long. The only biblical separation is the biblical crucifixion of Christ. God. That's why Paul said, God forbid that I boast in anything else. Because the cross of Christ is where I find separation from the world and I find it separated from me. Come on now. This is good this morning. We need this today. Hallelujah. So let's look at this before we run out of time. Jesus is also not just the brightness of God's glory. He's the express image of his person. Now this word image, remember to look this up. The word image means the instrument used for engraving or carving. That's what this word means. Look it up. It comes from a, 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 a Greek word that means that it's an in, the word image means something is, is, has been engraved, means something has been carved out. Think about that. The graver... The tool or the person that is by implication engraving character, the figure stamped that is an exact, exact copy or, or representation. Remember Jesus told Philip, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. He did not tell Philip he was the Father like many false teachers say today. And people who are unlearned in the scriptures say that. Jesus did not say that. He is not the Father. The Father is not the Son. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. They are three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and there are many biblical references to that, the very experience the, the showing of that in the Bible. But Jesus represented the Father to us, the exact express image. To see Jesus is to see and to know the Father. I want you to hear that today. To see Je Jesus told Philip, 
if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he did not mean he was the Father. It'd be like, you know, somebody telling my, one of my sons, my Lord, you are your Father's son because they saw me in them, their actions, their mannerisms. Jesus, but, but yet they're their own person. Jesus is the express, perfect image of the Father. He's the express image of God. Now I want you to hear that. Colossians 1, 14 and 15 tell us this. In whom, Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God. The God we serve, my friends, is an invisible God. God sent his son so we could know him, so we could know who he is and how he thinks and how he operates, how he feels about us, to, to show us that he loves us, to, to show us what degree he would go to bring us home to glory. Think about that. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, God, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Those who have trusted in the work of Christ on the cross for the redemption of their soul, the, the forgiveness of their sin, they, they've come to the conclusion that they can't fix themselves. They're broke and there is no fix outside of Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. God won't accept any good works. He won't accept any money. He doesn't accept anything except what His Son did for all of humanity on the cross. And when we trust in Him and what He did there, God accepts us. You know the story very well of Cain and Abel. Abel brought that which was pleasing to God, and God accepted Abel. God was not looking at Cain or Abel. God was looking at what they offered him. Which, which offering did they bring? God had already instructed them what to bring. And he was simply looking to see if they would bring that which he'd given them, commanded them to bring. Abel brought that which was a lamb and offered its blood. Cain and he was accepted with God and declared in Hebrews 11 to be righteous. But Cain refused to bring that which God had commanded and God did not take pleasure on Cain. He did not accept Cain because he did not accept his sacrifice. The story hasn't changed, my friend. Those who don't accept from the heart that which God has given them, then they will not be accepted by him. And we need to remember that. But those who have accepted Christ and keep their faith in him daily, trust in that finished work daily, then they are today being conformed into that very image. That's right. They're being carved out, so to speak. They're being, what did we say? They're being engraved that we, we in Christ are already complete. 
but we're walking through this life being tempted, being tested, uh, being tried. We're walking through this life and in this world we're being conformed to the very image of our Savior. That's wonderful and it's so beautiful. Jesus came in the perfect, express, dynamic, without flaw image of the person of God. You want to know God? You've got to know Jesus. He's not offered any other way of knowing Him, of expressing Him, no other way. And the Word of God tells us, Peter writes, that we are to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not growing no matter how we think we're growing. If it's not based on the knowledge of Christ, that's why we don't minister messages without declaring Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Because if we're growing, if we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, then we're learning of his knowledge and his grace. The Bible doesn't say your grace, your knowledge. It says that we are to be growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men, Hebrews 2 and 9. That does not mean just to get you saved and in the kingdom. <coughs> that means for you and I, even on this day, to be given more grace, hallelujah, because the entire life of a Christian, each day, each step of the way is by grace through faith. Do you hear that loud train coming through? <laughs> I wish that was the trump, praise God. Each day of your life is lived by grace through faith and the knowledge, the truth he's offering you to be able to grow in. Be very much aware in these last days what you're hearing and how you're hearing it. The context of what you're hearing. God is strategically right now moving his people all around, uprooting and replanting in, in local churches. When you're planted by him in the house of the Lord, you will be flourishing in the courts of your God, Psalm 92. There's no doubt about it. When you're planted in the house of the Lord, by the Lord, you will be flourishing in the courts of your God. What a great broadcast today. God bless you. I love you. And we're doing these Hebrew Bible studies every Monday and Thursday morning here at 8.30 a.m. Be sure and tune in. Be sure and share these teachings on your social media. Don't be timid. Don't be ashamed. Share the gospel. Help us publish the word. And you can also do that by praying for us. And you can also do that by donating to, the, to the, this ministry, giving an offering to the Lord for his work, which is the focus and the preaching of the gospel. You can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can type the word give on your smartphone to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I'll see you Thursday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. God bless you.